0: Welcome, this is the Sikh Coach Podcast, a podcast exploring the Sikh principles and how to live them in the 21st century. Episode 11, Judgment and Criticism in the Sikh Community Welcome to the Sikh Coach Podcast, this is Avtar Singh, wishing you are all well. In this episode, we meet with Guru Mustak Singh from SikhNet.com. Guru Singh is the CEO and founder of Sikhnet.com. It's a website that was established over 24 years ago in 1996. He started the website in his teenage years just to bring information to the Sikh youth at the time. And now it is one of the largest Sikh portals on the internet and reaches millions a year. Guru Singh is a second generation Sikh. His parents took on the Sikh faith in America who were from Christian and Jewish backgrounds. I'm sure you can imagine the trials and tribulations of being perceived as a white person wearing a turban and a beard in America, to then being judged by the traditional Punjabi Sikh community. Without any delay, let's catch up with Guru Masuk Singh and learn from his life experiences and understand how not to judge people and to realize everybody is on their own journey and have faced their own challenges and be as inclusive as our gurus wanted us to be. Enjoy the episode. Stay blessed. So welcome to another episode of the Seed Coach Podcast. We're very fortunate to have a very special guest today, and he is Guru Mustak Singh Khalsa. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Tar Singh. Thank you for um, taking time out of your busy schedule to be on this podcast. Um, I think I'm probably more excited than most of my listeners because I've kind of followed your journey. Um, in, in in you know your life around Sikhi and the sort of evolution of what you've created so i think for those people who may not know you uh, or maybe a reminder for those who've forgotten <laughs> what you exactly do it'd be good to get an introduction uh, a bit of background of um what you do uh, and about yourself
1: yes uh, thank you avtar my my name is guru mastak singh and uh, Uh, I'm the founder of SeekNet.com. This is a website, one of the first websites online. Uh, I started 24 years ago um, as a teenager out of high school. And uh, at the time, there was no other service of this kind. And I just had a longing to connect people and try to make a difference in the community in my own way. And so I was just driven by passion to, to try to do something creative and fun and it slowly grew. And uh, now SeekNet serves uh, millions of people every year. Um, I think there's about a few million people visit SeekNet every month. Uh, we have many different services, and the types of services that SeekNet has offered has evolved over the past 24 years. But currently, some of the major things that we do we have a Gurbani Media Center app, which is one of the largest uh, archives of Gurbani, Kirtan, and, and music and learning. Uh, uh, we have audio stories and animation for kids, daily news, discussion forums. We do uh, inspirational videos and uh, online courses to learn about Sikhi and spirituality and many more things. But that's kind of a, a teaser. So welcome you if you d- if you haven't visited SeekNet to go check it out.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think I think I'd reiterate the you know the the innovation at the time when you created SeekNet. There wasn't much out there doing the same sort of thing and I think it was it was an innovation at the time and I think it still is with the way that the journey's evolved and personally I know SeekNet helped me on on starting my journey of learning about Siki, and I think the fresh perspective that was brought um, on the traditional ways and ideas of Siki, you know really really helped me and I think the forums were were pivotal to have those discussions and, and have an online Sangat as such, you know, to have that free Q&A session, it was really, it was really, really helpful. So anybody else who wants to learn more about Sikhism, and there's there's so many resources out there, do check out seeknet.com. And you also have your own personal blog site, mrseeknet.com. Yes,
1: it's, it's something that uh, I'm, it's not really, I'm not actively writing on it anymore, but <clears throat> for a period of time when, when uh, blogs were definitely more popular before social media really did take over a lot of that space, um, that was a very popular way to reach out and personally connect and, and share, um, you know, things that were going on in my life in a very real and personal way um, and, and have some of the conversations and uh, things that needed to be had.
0: Yes, yeah, definitely. I think the, I mean, even though you you say you, you um, updated it, I think the content on there is really, um, you know, really really important. I feel that you know it will resonate with a lot of people because it's about your personal journey, and I think the focus of this podcast is to understand more about your personal journey as a Sikh, as an American white Sikh, second generation Sikh, and the challenges that you know your parents as a first generation Sikh, American Sikhs, and then what you would have faced in as growing up and till today. I think that's the, the, the main topic of this episode is around judgment and understanding that we talk about diversity and typically diversity we talk about respecting people of all different colors all different faiths all different backgrounds or even people who do not have a faith so being very broad-minded and minded and having respect for each each one of us but i think there's another another layer of judgment which sometimes falls within a community within a faith and um, sometimes you know that that plays a big factor because a lot of people I've seen, there's a lot of examples where we are quite open-minded and accept people of other religions, other colours and creeds. We work with diverse colleagues and we respect them. But sometimes when it comes to our own community, you know, a fellow Sikh, there's there's just a lot of judgment. There's a lot of black and white. And I think, you know, a judgment for me would be growing up in the UK in London, and that would predominantly be perceived as, you know, non sikh and, and not understanding Sikhs, but I think I can relate to that judgment within the Sikh community. But I think it would have been much more of a challenge for you as well, being both in America and you know the judgments there and in India. But I think what would be good to start the conversation is to understand um, how was life for your parents as first-generation Sikhs and some of the challenges they faced. Because um, at that time, it was pretty. It was probably a pretty alien com concept, um, for where, when they, where
1: they were. Yes. Uh, so, you know, I think most of us who are Sikhs, you know, you've been brought up with this culture, your parents learn from your, their grandparents and everything was passed down. It was something that was a part of your everyday life. But for my parents, you know, my mom was from a Jewish family. My dad was from a Christian family and in their teens, they, uh, you know s- started through practicing yoga and meditation in the 60s through yogi harpajan um many of them were looking for something something different something else seeking some kind of connection and so when they started practicing yoga and meditation and there was a curiosity about what this turban was about and they started asking questions about what's this other thing so maybe they were doing meditation yoga but then they could see he had a beard and turban what's that about so kind of you could say a side effect was uh he started sharing about guru nanak and about the sikh lifestyle and and a number of the people at that time just you know got very attracted to the message of guru nanak and and this universal path. So uh, many of those people, my parents included, you know, became Sikhs. But the thing you gotta realize is like, you think about your own family. If you were to just say, I'm not gonna be a Sikh anymore and go away and do something else. Just imagine how your family would be. So put yourself, like imagine my parents who were another faith and another thing. And they all of a sudden, kind of choose another path so right off the bat most of these people like they I know many people who were disowned by their families who were you know had really heavy times so just keep that first thing in mind that this was a big change and a big thing that they had to deal with and then uh, when when they're coming in and learning there was no there there's no book that really shares all this stuff from a from a new person's perspective. Um, a lot of the things that you learn as a Sikh are just your parents tell you, or you things you kind of learn along the way. And and given that all of you know my parents and others are from other cultural backgrounds, everything was totally new. So just having like how to do Bonnies or how to do an Ardas or how to do a Hukam or how to make Prashad. is um, the basics. You know, just the basics, like those, all had to be learned. So when we had gurdwaras, uh, you know, oftentimes, uh, you know, there would we had printed sheets with, with the uh, somebody would write up the 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 gurbani in English translation, so we could understand it. Um, uh, akhan pots would be done in mostly English translation. Nobody could read gurmukhi. Uh, very few people, you know, at that time, especially so everything was so new and and uh you know so a lot of a lot of mistakes and things i'm sure were made but this is kind of like we were paving the way to create this opening for people of non-punjabi background um because like when you talk about when i hear somebody uh, who writes me and says i want to go to you know i'm i love sick i'm learning about sikhi it's really interesting is there somebody I can talk to in my area, and sometimes when I say, well can you is there a Gurdwara locally?" and I find one, and then they go, and then people are not nobody really says hi to them, nobody helps them or they're they're not really well, given any attention so like those are the those are the subtle startings of things that I know that my parents dealt with and and I know in the early days, we were definitely kind of looked at as this um uh like we worshipped yogi bhajan and he's our guru and yoga is is against sikhi and all these types of things that were kind of put on us so we were like this novelty of these white sikhs and Mm -hmm. some people were against us and some people were inspired um so that was kind of the startings of uh where i kind of grew up in
0: so I guess was there like a was there then a maturity of acceptance from your parents' family and the community after that initial shock I would say that they they weren't sure what, what is this seat thing what is this turban and beards why mm-hmm. you why you know why do you do this? I guess you would have seen that transition maybe where they realized actually you know they're happy and the, this is not just them, but there's a whole community and you know, we understand more about it with the education. So how did that transition happen? And so did they, they would have done some of the groundwork for you. And when you grew up, did you see some of that or was there still challenge? Well,
1: so I just wanna, you know, okay, just to share a little thought about, I think that we oftentimes fear or judge things that we don't know or understand. So just as a side thing, like when I, my wife, she wasn't born and raised a Sikh like I was. And when we met at a, at a camp, a Sikh camp, right? When I was right at the beginning of SikhNet and I was still going through my own personal identity crisis even during SikhNet and her her parents, we ended up, fast forward, we ended up getting engaged and uh, you know getting married here in New Mexico but most of her uh, extended family never didn't come to the wedding. They're all like, you know, I'm going to, you know, her, my wife's going to go to hell yes. and you know, it's, it was terrible. Hmm. So it was, it was kind of like this hard thing. And then when I later went and visited them it was like, Oh, it kind of got this feeling like, you're not this weird, something, something you're just, normal person and so that's the part where um, I feel oftentimes a lot of our judgments and things that we have is really about things that we don't really understand or when we're looking at our world in a very limited perspective and we're not trying to open out a little bit more and and I was just thinking about because I was talking to my son yesterday we were talking about judgment and racism and different things and he was like why you know why do people have this hate and all this because we were talking about india palace and here in santa fe which a couple days ago was totally trashed and spray painted with all kinds of white supremacist messages and and he was like why do we why do people have that and i was just talking to him about that and just saying a lot of this is people are just taught a certain way of thinking. It's not necessarily that it's a negative way, whatever you're taught, but um, you know, people that's how people get it. And there was this one guy, Christopher Christopher Polini, um, and he came for Peace Prayer Day here. This one of the events that we have, and he he used to be one of the leaders of this not you know skinhead white supremacist group and and he changed and he told the story of how he found himself from that hate and finding in love and and one of the guys that he was trying to help later on he, he was he was starting to go down that path and he was talking about, uh, he was very islamophobic and hmm. very hateful and so he to surprised his friend and arranged a meeting with the local imam okay. And he was freaked out, but he told, you know, fast forward anyways, he ended up making him and they actually met. And after that, they became friends that they were like, they realized they had all these things in common, all these different connections. And it was just like a whole opening. And it's, so it's really, when we, when we we see other people that look different or do things different, we don't always realize really the common parts that we have, and and uh, we just kind of focus on some things that we've heard. So I think peeling the layers is really uh, what it takes. And, and when people judge me or SeekNet or other things I do, I like I always try to if they're actually earnestly wanting wanting to learn something or Make something better. I always invite them. I'm like, I'm happy to talk to you. I'm come visit. Whatever it is, like I'm not hiding anything. Get to know people.
0: Yeah, I think definitely it's it's about opening the dialogue, and I think the that's the only way people understand because they it may not be their it's not their fault. Effectively, they've been brought up in a certain way with influences, and that's their journey. And some and most of the time is out of insecurity or false information or not understanding a culture and. And not actually making the effort to understand it just labeling it and i think you're you're right there's more that joins us than divides us and i think once people start seeing what joins us together you know we're all human we all work we all got families we all got kids we're just still dealing with all the same life issues you know once you add other layers on top we forget about the commonalities between us And i think that's that's very important to really appreciate diversity and i think that those conversations are happening now i think there's still, yeah. a lot of, there's still a lot of tension out there, and I think, I just don't know. I think well, there's, I
1: mean, there's so many different levels to this, I think. Um, and I, I'm just going to take it in a different, like, because it's easy to kind of like us and them. But one of the things that I found interesting, you know, and I think I, I've shared this before, like when I was, when I was in India, I went to boarding school in India for like 10 years when I I went when I was quite young, like eight, nine years old. And I was there for like 10 years. And, you know, it was a novelty, um, you know, seeing people there, seeing a white kid who's a Sikh and people would stare at me and I would stand out there. And when I came back to the U.S., you know, just the general public, people would stare at me. Same kind of thing. I'm tall, when I walk in the airport, everybody sees me. So I just kind of try to have a smile. But the thing that was interesting to me is that, and you mentioned this earlier about how we oftentimes might be accepting to other kinds of people, uh, but when it comes to ourselves, our families, our people in our community, we can be very judgmental. And I really felt that the most judgment and hate so to speak, that I've ever felt is not from outside. Mm. It has really been from other people in our community yes. uh, who have some opinion or something and are just spewing it out. And so when we talk about <laughs> Sikhi being universal and uh, and all, these, all the stuff that people share about the message of the Gurus and then the reality of where people are at in terms of how they're acting, it's such a disconnect, and this is where I find that many people who I know, who've come into Siki new fresh, that many of them get disillusioned and leave because they're like they come in seeing with this certain understanding, and then when they when they when what they see in the people doesn't match that, they're like, oh my God, this isn't what I thought it was. I, I don't know if I want to be a part of this.
0: Yeah, I can, I can understand it. It's like there is i think there's a twofold judgment there's other people judging others on what they perceive is the right way or what is the wrong way and then there's almost like a there's a there's something about self-judgment as well that you're assuming that the way should be like this and if i don't do that you now the most common thing i've heard from people who who you know who, who say they're not, this is from their own mouths, they say they're not practicing, but it's almost said in a negative way, oh, I'm not a practicing Sikh. And I was like, what What does that mean? Because does that mean you're not kind? You're a horrible person? <laughs> like it's, a, it's writing off the goodness in yourself because your perceived um, picture of what a Sikh is, has been almost, you know, ingrained in that community and society that you self judge. But there's a twofold aspect where there's a lot of judgment within the community. Because you've got people who put themselves in boxes and put a label on it and then they judge people against that label and they accept people that they have the same label. And then there's an internal conflict of actually what is the what is seat. But if you read Gurbani, it's quite, it's quite clear, you know, it's a universal message. It's about principles and actions and living a, a good life or, or, and a lifelong journey of learning which actually means no one's ever, ever, ever perfect Seek because it's an iterative process. And I think you you said yourself, you know, when you started Seek, that you were were still going through that journey. And I think everybody goes through that journey, whether it's at different stages of their life, but that journey never ends of learning because it always evolves.
1: Yeah. And I, I think that's interesting because, you know, like I've been thinking a lot about Sikhi and spirituality and identity these days and I feel that so often we are in the same way that judgment and opinions are formed like we as a community have been brought up to form certain ways of thinking about things and and I'm realizing now that many of the things that I grew up with like I felt so much guilt about things growing up because I was supposed to do different things and these were the rules or I was breaking this rule. And for me, that was a lot of what I was going through with SeekNet. <clears throat> you know, I had—I was going, in my early days, I was going out partying, I was trying to fi- make friends, I wanted a girlfriend. Um, but that was, all those things was like against what I was supposed to be doing. And then when I kind of found my way and I, uh, I found my wife, and I kind of got back on track. Then it was still this part of like, why am I doing this? I'm, I'm, I'm doing it because I'm supposed to. Like, I'm supposed to do my five bonnies. Yes. I'm supposed to go to Gurdwara. Uh, you know. So, but, but we don't really like. Re- I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe people do, but uh, I know people do. But this, the, the common thing is that we just do them out of a kind of a, out of ritual or expectation. Yes. And what I see happening is that in time, many of the people, why did they leave it? Because they never got some of the juice or the experience that actually gave them that connection. And, and if what you're doing doesn't give you that connection and doesn't give you that ras, that, that connection or that spirit, that chardikla, why even bother? Do something different. Try something different. I'm not saying change your religion or, you know, leave Sicky. I'm just saying experiment. Try something different. And I think that's what um, the community I grew up with, there was no pre-set kind of thing. And people already came with so many other spiritual backgrounds. So there was a lot more room and there wasn't this rigid, um, this is the only way thing. So people were a little more broad in terms of the kinds of things that they did to try to experience. And, you know, when Ardas oftentimes in the Gurdwara, somebody will read it in English and people will play, they have wrote some song about the gurus and they'll sing that in English in the Gurdwara and that's totally okay. And the kids will sing, they'll do some English songs that, you know, like these are the kind of things that you'd never have in a, or not never, but it wouldn't be very common in most gurdwaras it, it has to be in punjabi you yeah. know this is our mother language you know like this is the only way
0: so okay. i i mean yeah growing up and just having the traditional gurdwara experience i could resonate with that because it's a fixed way of doing things you know even if you look at the discourse it's one too many it's not a discussion it's not a vichar you know there's very mm-hmm. less chance of having that frank conversation in a safe place um, I think I think the point you made around yeah, doing understanding why you're doing what you're doing, and I think Gurbani is all about quality over quantity. Whereas, do you think some of this has been ingrained in you know in the Punjabi culture, in the Sikhs in India, trying to at a point in history where they were trying to define what a Sikh is, just for identity, when their identity was probably you know was was we had people. Probably, you know, going against the identity or trying to dilute that. So a uh, uh, kind of reform to say, this is what a Sikh is. You wear, you know, uh, you have, a, you keep your hair uncut. You read fibania You do all of that sort of rules-based approach, just to establish an identity. But it kind of it got ingrained into a routine, which form, like you say, is a ritual, because you need to understand the gurbani to get the benefit of it, not just yeah. But I think out. this. I think this is
1: some of this is also like times are changing. It's not like things are frozen in time. So right. yes, I agree that there is a there is a need to to maintain you know your the the practices and certain things. But what happens over time is people change, the world changes, mm-hmm. um, and if if we're not evolving, and I'm not saying that everything has to change, but it's like the world is a lot different than it was then, and so now the kids and people that are growing up, they need to understand and feel it to, to practice it. They're not going to just do it at face value. Yes. Um, and even little things like, maybe that's not little, but you know, I always get people would say, Oh, one day I'll, umbruchak. one day, one day, you know, like I, when I, when I knew all my five Bonnies perfect, yes. you know, most of, most of my parents, they didn't know the Bonnies very well. They hardly Hardly knew it. And they took Amrit. And to me, I think the this whole like fanatic kind of approach that, oh, if you're Amrit you're hardcore and you're fanatic. And actually most people, when they see white people, they think, oh, they're hardcore. They're white. You know, they're all Amrit They They put the same stereotype that maybe yeah. they have from Punjabi culture of like, if you wear a turban and you're and a woman and you're Amrit then you must be this. Yeah. Um, but in reality, most people, when they were starting out, that first thing they would do is tie a turban, whether they're a woman or a guy, is to, to you know, try it out. Yes. And and to me, taking Amrit is really um, more of a commitment, like giving your head to the Guru. What does is, what is giving your head mean? It's like giving your ego that it's not about you and that your life is... In service to the guru and to humanity and that it's not it's not about you it's it, it's acting from your heart and not your head and that if you don't make a commitment then you're never going to take that first step and that's where i think people always fail as they think one day one day but where do you start i if so to me when people would ask me like Oh, I I missed my one, I've missed my bonnies, or I didn't do it. do I need to take Umredi again. I'll be like in my in my opinion, my, the way I appr- I appreciate thing that to me, spirituality in this practice is is an evolution. Yes. You as a sick are a learner and you don't you're not all of a sudden the expert. So yeah. you take that first step if all that if really if all that you can do is do jupji, I mean, maybe that's not you know legit for for some people and i i understand that but i would rather somebody take that step and keep going and build on it uh than somebody and keep doing it than somebody make a commitment do hardcore for a month or two and then just leave it
0: mm.
1: you know and then kind of you know like i'm more the slow and steady build be balanced find balance and don't 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 try to go to the extremes either way
0: I think if we, I think the problem is we kind of segregate certain things um, for some reason. So, you know, baptism, we segregate it from other normal life challenges or life commitments. So, for example, if you compare it to marriage, you know, we take the Lama, you take vows on day one. It doesn't mean you're a perfect couple from day one. It just means you're committed to each other, you know, too thick and thin. And it's an iteration because actually you both evolve throughout the journey but you got to make things work you have to keep making things work on a daily basis so if you take the same concept for Amrit, it's more it's more of, a, it's more of a, an enrollment to a you know an institute to say i will commit to being a better person not a graduation ceremony to say i have graduated and i should be a fully fledged perfect um, seat because it's it's just not possible and like you say if you don't if you don't commit enroll you'll never then be serious about the, the syllabus and the syllabus, like we go to school, we don't digest in a day, or three months, you know, if it it takes people years to become a doctor, it takes people years to be an uh, expert. I mean, even after learning the theory, you're then having to put in practice. So I think there is a lot of misconceptions around the baptism and being ready or um, breaking, breaking the commitment. Ultimately, it's, um, it's more than just a, a a contract is more is that you're invested in becoming somebody better and that means something different to everybody
1: but that's okay so getting back to the whole judgment part <clears throat> and this is something that i think about often and more so these days <clears throat> you know because i know like in my community here where i grew up uh you know people there was always a lot of people who are new coming into sikhi um you know there is kind of like people coming in, trying it out for a little bit and then kind of going on. Some people would stick around and some people would not. And, and I always noticed as soon as somebody put on a turban, like, okay, if I'm like Susan something and I have my hair down and I'm, I'm in the community and you're all apart. But as soon as she put on a turban yes. and she starts wearing a turban, that's like the step that the trigger. now, if she takes off her turban, boom yes judgment like all of a sudden like you know it it becomes this whole thing and and i always know like when i you know many of my friends who i grew up with or went to school with when some of them would cut their hair um you know and would quote unquote leave sicky they weren't really leaving sicky they were just changing their identity they weren't relating in the same way they didn't have uh, a turban and and uh, long hair but it was always kind of a an internal process i always realized of like how am i supposed to relate to that because i know for myself it means so much to me and so when somebody else quote unquote throws it away it's like we don't you know how do we process that and we and so that's kind of the internal part that is really common and it's very natural and human but i think the part where is really kind of watching my thoughts about why am I thinking certain ways? Have they changed? Are they really, are they a bad person? Are they, you know, what are their actions like? What are they like? Because I know so many people who don't wear turbans, who, you know, short hair or whatever, but they're like the most serviceful, humble people that I know. And then I know people who look the part, Fullbanna, look, baka, gursik, and you know, are pretty not so good people. You know, so it doesn't. You know, I think that's the part where I'm really, I really connect with Guru Nanak's message of this universal path, and and I really try to kind of hold that that place of deeper understanding of where people are in their journey because everybody is going on this journey and they many times myself included we sometimes we have to fall down and get muddy and 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 do, you know, like for me it was the the clubbing and doing drinking alcohol and smoking and feeling that emptiness that miserable part that I needed to Experiment. to really feel like this isn't me this isn't who I want to be but you know when people if you are judging and putting people out when they're going through that and just pushing them away instead of showing them love and compassion and support, you know, they're, you know, how do you, how do they get through that or how do they reconnect? They don't, they just becomes this polarized thing where they just keep going more. And that's where I feel it's many, what I hear from many youth in the community who are going through these personal journeys into their identity as a sick that because of the the judgment and the criticism by our own community, that they then leave it even farther and run. They don't want to go to a gurdwara. They don't want to relate to other people, and that's why the stereotypes of when somebody becomes like umrit dadi, they they feel like they're going to get socially. Uh, some families feel like they're going to be ostracized because their kid is be taking umrit too. Like it goes both ways.
0: It goes both ways yeah it's, it's it's such a challenge isn't it because there's so much expectations and different scales for different people different families different communities different backgrounds um so it can be such a confusing place but one thing i think that resonates with everybody the gudwara is supposed to be a place open to everybody you know Lunga is open to everybody but then within our communities we still have these segregations and judgments which are real we're still rife till today till this day i think the challenges, I think you would, you would hear a lot of that on SeekNet. So this is, is it, you feel well, it's still there growing, decreasing, or do you think there's, there is a change in the way of people thinking, especially now that a lot of people are talking about mental health and some of these judgmental issues within the community would actually trigger off people having issues around mental health or being accepted or not accepted.
1: Yeah, I think I think there's definitely still I mean part of if you, when you start with the whole Gurdwara space, some of the challenge with that is that it's kind of like it's become like this import Gyanese and people from India to run the Gurdwara, especially I'm talking like coming from India to mm-hmm. say UK or US or Canada or other places. And it doesn't really connect with where the 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 Sikhs of those places are really relating. Um, So, when you have everybody like just doing things how they have been doing in India, but not really, uh, and when there's nobody, let's just say running a Gurdwara or being a Gyani is not something that is looked at in our community in a positive light. People, I think there's a certain looking down upon certain things that you know, like I'm the successful business person and it's too low for me to do these kind of things. Yeah. You know, like even when I started SeekNet, there were very few nonprofit organizations and most people wouldn't uh, want their kids to do some like art or film or start working in nonprofit because it's not a good, you know, they want them to make as much money as possible and that's the yes. mode. So, so our infrastructure and our core parts aren't having that fresh energy and that kind of energy that we would put into our own personal businesses and other things. So it's kind of the stagnant space. And I feel like there's definitely change happening, um, probably more so outside of the gridoires of people mm-hmm. that are starting different movements and different organizations, different projects. And it's, it's le- leaps and bounds since, uh, you know, I started SeekNet, which is really exciting. Um but I think there's still a lot of ways to go because um, there's still this uh, more strict kind of way of 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 doing things, and it's this—it's very Punjabi culture centric, yes. and and it's not like for me as somebody who like I I I see people from China and Mexico and South America and other places that are coming into Sikhi and there's not really a place for them as much in those kind of environments. So it ends up being polarized because they don't feel like they can understand or relate or, um, or connect with, with that. So, um, but I think, I think that, you know, it's definitely better. And, and I think when people take ownership for things that they want to change, because, we often I always hear people complaining, "Oh, SGBC could do this why aren 't they doing that or they 're so corrupt The, the Guruars are corrupt, and the only way any of this is going to change is if any of us put some skin in the game yes and that 's where like that was a, for me when i went to when I went to Amritsar in the early days when um, Sikh was going, and I wanted to help out with the sgpc with their internet stuff and we may i was meeting with the main people at the time and uh, we set a meeting and then nobody showed up and i was just frustrated and then was talking to their webmaster asking about the server keeps crashing and they wouldn't pay for the you know some cheap memory upgrade and and the radio kept going down and i'm like oh, just stream it to the seeknet server we'll just na- rename the domain so people won't even know it's not sgpc it's seeknet yeah. behind the scenes <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's like what i realized was i can't change these other people and what they're doing certainly people can affect change but what i wanted to do was i know that i through whatever little means that i can do that you know i can do something on my own and and that's really where i went with SeekNet. was just i may mean, not be i'm not a scholar i'm not a sikhi expert um i just uh wanted to create a platform to connect people and 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 uh have a place where people can learn and in an open way and feel everybody is welcome no matter where you are in your path
0: so i think yeah that's very important i think like you said is if the if, if the problems can't be fixed because of restrictions in people's mindsets and it's just people are, are sort of wedded to the traditional way of doing things i guess SeekNet was almost an online sangat. it allowed you to create a portal which then was accessible to anybody in the whole world without that judgment without that preconceptions and actually probably spread it into all Sorts of corners of the world. So, like you said, you know, P- there's communities in China and Japan, and I mean, there's even been initiatives to translate the Gurugran Sahib into Spanish and other languages, which is, you can probably, you know, say it's because of SikhNet that those things happened, where traditionally, you know, the Punjabi community would probably have not done that because we're so ingrained in our own sort of culture. And no, you must read gurbani in the traditional language and you must do the traditional. Things and I guess you would have had a lot of in the initial days. Is that you would you would have had a lot of people against and sort of pushing poking you and saying why are you doing that? You should this is the traditional way. Or do you still get that today?
1: You know, I don't. I think for the most part, I don't. I don't feel that so much. I mean, I think it's certainly different um, for many people. I know. I can only speak for like when people might come to the gurdwara here. They they definitely feel and notice the differences. I mean, it's still the core Gurdwara practice, yeah. but there are some subtle differences. And uh, so, I think that part I think most people are are okay with. And and I feel they most of the people I've seen feel that it's refreshing and and they're ha- happy to see something that they feel some connection to. Um, but I think it's it's really that uh, the the core structures in the gurdwaras doesn't allow for that type of change because the kinds of people that are in there are kind of like when we talk about like my parents generation they have a certain way that they were raised and what they are thinking yes. and now my generation your generation we've brought up in a more uh broad way you know culturally we've seen so many different kinds of people um you know, so let's you know when you talk about like uh, interreligious marriage, yes. um, you know, people that are gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, etc. Like people, that first generation, it's so hard for them to even, like, no, 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 no. You can't even.
0: They can't even relate. Yeah, they can't. <laughs> and I guess it's difficult because they're not brought up in that. You know, is that generation gap is always real because there there'll be things that we. We'll also probably have to struggle with with you know our children and their generation and there will be a change but it's i guess it's trying to keep your minds open and i think what Barney does that if you really resonate with the message of it is that you know change is real you know accept everybody and be positive but i guess somewhere down the line we get in we the more we get attached with certain concepts and say this is the way that's where the then judgment comes from so i suppose yeah. it's reverse engineering to say don't accept everything as fixed because it's not fixed
1: the yeah way. but but the, you know the thing is like people will take a gribani line and twist it this way or that way to whatever means and that's how just it's not just in sikhi in every religious path people take lines and and interpret them in so many different ways and so to me, Gurbani is deep and vast and the gurus and their enlightened experience, they're just sharing in this poetic way. It's like when I went to school and we're reading Shakespeare stuff and like, you know, like we have to talk for a long time to actually just understand what they're trying to say and what the, you know, so like people's, how they relate to things is based on their own experiences and what they've learned. So. Um, and what their viewpoint is. So like when we have my generation who's grown up, if you've grown up with friends who are gay and lesbian or who are different colors or different religions, you're going to have a a wider view of what you feel is acceptable or okay because you've met these people. And that gets to that same thing I started in the beginning was we have judgments about people and, and different things that people oftentimes know very little about or don't have a direct connection with, and that's where it's even more problematic these days with social media and online stuff, where people say things that they would never normally say to somebody in the person, and yes. Yes. and they feel empowered to just spew all kinds of stuff. And even even if they're not intending to, and it starts out with something, and it just it's just not a good way of communicating, um, you know, for some of these things.
0: I think that the other thing, which is quite big now because of the the whole Black Lives Matters and everything else about anti, being actively anti-racist, is about diversity of thought. So not just knowing, not just having a, a diverse network, but it's actually having diversity of thought, understanding other people's cultures, other people's histories, and actually resonating and understanding what their challenges are. I think that's a deeper level of really then having that diverse sort of, outlook and accept and I think with that comes acceptability and I think in the corporate world there's this whole thing about getting diversity of thought within boardrooms because it's they are typically a lot, uh, skewed to you know set type of people set to, sort of mindset but what that means is there's a risk that they carry of groupthink because everybody's the same everybody has the same way of thinking and you know they don't challenge each other or understand other cultures and other challenges to then make good decisions. And I think that's, that's the same thing, I guess, w- people can do that in other avenues as well, of acceptance within communities and faiths as well. So I think there probably needs to be a bit more dialogue within Kutawaras, within our communities, with other communities.
1: Yeah, about- well, what I've, I think when, as somebody who's been the the uh, on the end side of being, uh, judged and a lot of hate being thrown out for various things because of my role with Seeknet. I know what it feels like to be the other. And so it it definitely gives me a whole lot more compassion. Like if you've ever been bullied, if you've been suppressed, you've been hurt, you know what that feels like. So when you see other people doing that or you know it's like you can understand and relate to that. So I think that has really helped me be a lot more compassionate. And, you know, like when I have somebody who's, you know, driving by in a car and and shouting at me, you know, go back to your own country, you know, something or the other. Yes. Uh, and they're all angry or somebody spouting something online. I have to be like, oh my God, this, this person must have some, hurt or some major pain in their life Hmm. and that's kind of how i process it and try and and instead of reacting um to what's what's being said and feeding into their level i have to bring in that it's like i need to bring go to the higher level and just say go to the heart and say okay they where are they dealing with so when we talk about black lives matter and people they're going through now it's like it's easy to get to the intellectual and react to whatever things, but then you just have to go to heart. Like you you don't know what people are going through and the hardships that they've gone through. And so just trying to understand and connect to that helps me understand and be more compassionate because I know that in my life when I've been angry or judgmental or critical, because I'm not immune to that either. I still, I still think judgmental thoughts, but the difference is that, I work a lot on being more aware of my thinking and what I'm doing so that I catch myself. And then I look at deeper, why am I thinking this way? What's, what's behind that? And I think that looking in the mirror and, and really being more aware of our thoughts and why we think things really is uh, an important step to, being less judgmental and being more compassionate to other people who have a different perspective or who have a different something because everybody has something that's different. And I certainly don't want to be living in, in, uh, you know, arguing and fighting. I want to be loving and friendly with everybody.
0: Yeah. Be be, be positive. I think you're, you're right. It's about, I suppose it's, it's valuing every human really, because if we, when we judge, we, we discredit 99% of the rest of them just because of the 1% or, you know, we don't, we don't know what's going on in their mind, what they've been through, which stage of life they are at. And that's with, and that's with everybody. I mean, some yeah. son, daughter, mother, father, in all these different relationships, but in that one moment where we just pick something to say, right, you said this, or you don't do this and this is how it should be because I, that's because something I'm strongly feeling is the correct. Yeah. Biggest challenge is then is it self-reflection? Like you said, you actively monitor your thoughts. We're not immune to it ourselves. Understanding that we have weaknesses, we have strengths, but ultimately it's about understanding what your thoughts and what is, what are they resonating within you to feel a certain way. Yeah,
1: because what's, I mean, what's going on inside of you reflects how you act on the outside. So if you are going through a really hard time, you're you're not happy in your job and you're angry about something, that's going to come out. Everything that you see around you is going to be through that lens. So it's easy like like when I was younger, I remember I, I didn't get paid very much, and I felt like I was a victim that I'm being taken advantage of, and i my whole world was around how I was you know this was you know I was being taken advantage of or I should have all this thing, but the problem with that is that you know that becomes my reality, and I just become angry and bitter rather than consciously changing my viewpoint and really looking at what do I want in my life? Do I want to be like this? Do I want to have, so it's like really charting where I want to be and what I want in my life. And kind of, um, so my thoughts, my, the thoughts and feelings that you have affect your outside reality and they affect your physical being when you're angry and you're upset all the time. You know, why, you know, that, that, gets ingrained in your body if you feel something feel something feel it in your stomach feel it in your body when you're angry or something. like your body holds on to these things and when we talk about health it's not just like you take these pills or you you know and you get better like a lot of these things that people have in their lives is from built up stuff that they've hold on to for years and years and that manifests as a disease later on in their life so it's like what we think and how we feel reflect how we see the world and if we can become more conscious of that and work on that and learn and you know some of it's our own stuff that we just need to deal with and we can deal do our own practice that's part of what the spiritual practice i do meditation every day i do some yoga i do nin- them. Uh, i do whatever things that help me process that and get to a space where i can be clear for and clean and ready for the day but if you don't have a tool or something that you can do to help you with that, then that stuff just piles up like the the trash bin, and um, and then everything that you do and see creates these reactions and judgments and criticisms, and and where do you how do you get beyond that if you're stuck in that?
0: I think like you like you've mentioned what what you do and what helps you to have that perspective It's like, then I guess if you flip that and somebody says, right, Oh, you do yoga. Oh, that's not the right thing to do. You'll see. But if they don't understand how that is helping you on your individual journey to be a better person, to see have a better outlook on life and not judge people and do positive work, it kind of flips the whole thing over, doesn't it? Because that, that person is judging it against their own rhetoric and black and white But you take a deeper, deeper look into that layer, you figure out that actually, yeah, what yoga works for you, or sitting and reading a book work for somebody else, or, you know, reading two lines of Gurbani and understanding how it affects, you know, how it impacts you, somebody else. So you just blow open that whole Mm. sort of methodology that is fit for you, really. And like you say, you've got to experiment to see what works for you, because, no a b c d prescription is going to work for everybody and it never was meant to work for everybody in the same way it's it depends on your journey what's what's relevant for you what works for you what doesn't work for you that's a that's a experimental phase that everybody needs to sort of work on rather than like you say a lot of people get disengaged with the process and then just move away from it but there's that there is that notion of experimentation which is normal
1: yeah, but I think it's also more than just experimentation. It's also like I have another friend who, you know, when she came and visited and 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 uh, you know she, she, I guess I came to find out she does she doesn't drink any water or eat anything until she's done all her five bonnies. and and that's great. That's her commitment. And there's a lot of people that do have different practices that they do that they were taught. And it's their personal relationship with their guru. The problem comes when people take their practice and what they feel is the right way, and they put that onto other people. That's where things get into trouble. So. I don't, I don't, you know, because I do yoga and I do certain things, I don't expect anybody else. Like this is just, this is how I was raised. I, this is my experience and this is how I stay connected. And for me, it's not just do, you know, doing Gurbani for me, it's being out in nature. Like I get that connection when I go mountain biking out in the hills, like you can, um, you know, where I live, there's quite a few, um, mountains and nature. So like, that to me, I, I feel it when I sit there and I stop and I just close my eyes and listen to the stream and I listen to the wind and look up at the clouds. And, and that to me is, that's a spiritual experience for me. And that's a connection of getting away from the rat race of when we are constantly being in, we're constantly seeing things that are, you know, coming into our spaces where we don't these days we don't even have any space most of the time when are you not occupied you're sitting on the toilet and you're on your smartphone or you're reading a magazine or you're in the car you're listening to something you're there's this constant um bombardment of of things to your senses but then when do you when Guru Nanak talks about all in in the poetic verses about the the, all the beauty of nature and things around, like, where do you experience that? You, you know, you have to like, have that moments of, of sunnia, of listening, of, about opening up your awareness and your perspective to kind of feel and see the bigger picture. And I think that's important for us to kind of have some of those spaces and, and know that when other people are doing something different, that that's just their own experience and that's what they're doing at that time and they're part of their own journey and that my journey is not your journey and and uh that's okay i think that's part of what good whole fundamental thing where it's like all of these different branches on the tree just because we're the same religion doesn't you know mean that it has to be the exact
0: same branch um so I think you're right about the social media thing where we're more likely to like a picture of nature than actually go out into nature and actually appreciate it in real life. And the, it's, a, it's a bit of a, it is the bombardment of so much noise, information and having the the pressure of having to respond as well and choosing a side and, and kind of, you know, uh, the, I mean, the internet is a brilliant thing, but it also brings the negativity as well. It gives power to good voices and it gives power to negative voices. And I think, you know, what we call as internet trolls, et cetera. But sometimes what we were saying earlier is the people that, you know, that, that have negative say, things to say, naturally people would vocalize those. And you won't always necessarily hear the good things. So I think we need more people to carry, to be more open about sharing the positivities and and sharing and understanding the differences that we have you Know appreciating them and understanding that everybody's journey is unique. Um, yeah. but uh, now it's been really good talking about this topic, and I think it's there's so many layers to this topic. But I suppose, is there any sort of final learnings that you have on your whole journey of you know growing up in America, having your parents first generation Sikhs, having spent you know time in India studying? and then growing up in that culture and then where you are now, where you have children who are probably starting that journey, where you started, you know, SeekNet, probably asking similar questions or even more challenging questions. Um, is there any sort of final perspectives and learnings that you want to give out to that, that, that the listeners out there?
1: Yeah. My, my feeling is that this is a journey. Like, I, I think I wrote in one of my blog posts at one point, you know one of the times i walked in on my son and he had just cut his hair and he was just curious and he and we talked about that and it wasn't and i shared that on my blog just in a very open and real way where normally those kind of things you'd be like very protective and secret about about what's going on i feel it's important that we be real with each other and with ourselves and that we look at why we do certain things um i know like my my family and other friends, people are going on the same identity discovery as I did. And whether or not they look a certain way or not, I, you know, how do we, I feel like it's important that we see people for who they are. And for me, what's most important is people's values, their actions, how they how they, what they do in the world and what they do in the community. And it's less so about this um, form or a certain practice or um, something that they do. And so if we can kind of try to look beyond those things in our day-to-day life and be the lighthouses and give people smiles and, and give people support no matter where they're at, I think that's, that's really where, I really try to be um, supportive and helpful so that people can get the support they need and creating those open connections with all different kinds of people gives me a much wider perspective that I think is super valuable and really adds to my life. And so I certainly encourage people, if you don't understand or if there's somebody that you don't know about, you know, take a step back and talk to them or try to like understand another way of thinking and another perspective and with an open mind and and see see what happens yeah
0: brilliant yep open open your minds um, and we're sikh says oh we always have to be learners (laughs) and that's in all aspects of life academic but also historic and also i think just having the conversation you know the core conversation with people you learn so much that there's so many layers, there's so much going on and and you, you yourself are then more enriched with that knowledge to share with others as well and make that change in your own culture uh, and have those conversations to make that difference. But like you said earlier, you know, there's, we can complain about issues, but until we take ownership and put skin in the game and take ownership and do something about it, nothing's going to change. And then w- what you find is, you start something, you create momentum, you inspire somebody else, and it's a bit of a wave, isn't it? It's exactly, I guess what SeekNet has done. You know, it's built many more things, and I think this is probably a good part where we can talk a bit more about SeekNet. What is, you know, what are you work, what what projects are you working on now? Um, what is sort of your vision for the future of SeekNet?
1: Yeah, so I think uh, one of the things I'm excited about, I mean, is you know, in the past there were very few people and I would, you know, like SeekNet was like the main source for a lot of things. And, you know, there weren't many other, uh, you know, people would still say, well, what do you do? What do you do for a living? I'm like, no, this is, I, this is my job now. Like this is, we have a whole team of people, you know, that takes a lot of effort to create a lot of the, the types of services and, and have the reliability and consistency. Um, but you know, there's the world has changed, and now there's so many more people doing really awesome services, and and uh, I don't think that SeekNet alone can represent all of those different needs. So on SeekNet, we did this survey of probably about 1,500 users, and this was like a 45-minute survey, and it was amazing to see all of the things that people were asking that they felt that they needed, that they felt the Sikh community needed. We were just asking what they thought of SikhNet should serve, but it was like, you know, everywhere from all kinds of social like relationships and problems and communities and uh, depression and social situations. So really a lot of the kinds of things that um, was even not really religious per se, but was really about people just getting through their lives and getting support we're there, so I feel that there's so many organizations and individuals now who are doing so many different things, and each of these organizations has their focus and their strength. And while SeekNet has been a very diverse um, organization serving many different needs, we can't be the everything for everybody, and we don't have the you know, the focus to be able to go as deep into some of these areas as people who, th- this is their passion. Like, you know, some organizations are dealing with mental health. Some are d- going into Gurbani Santia and very deep into Gurbani stuff. And uh, others are doing work about uh, women empowerment and, and different issues in the uh, in the community. So there's so many different areas and I feel that by working with, with other individuals and organizations, we can amplify each other's uh, work, we can support each other and collectively have much a bigger impact. And so, for example, one of the recent projects that we just started was this uh, Core Voices uh, talk show. This is an a, uh, organization that was founded by just Virkar Rubabun from uh Uh, who started this organization with a friend and uh, you know, we just, we contacted her about doing a talk show. And so that was something that we're doing collaboratively as a way to um, take her passion of uh, talking about different things related to, from a car's perspective um, to make it more mainstream and, and dialogue about some of these things. And we're working with other, Partnerships with Basis siki and we're looking at things with non and other organizations to try to come together um, and work together because we don't want to be in competition to each other. We want to actually be in support of each other. And I think together we can do so much more. And if we can put aside whatever differences and find the commonalities that we have and uh, go come from that pace of support, then...
0: We'll be able to do a lot. Having that vision itself is working to break down those judgmental barriers and finding that common ground. Because I think you're right; it's a it's an a it's an era of collaboration, and there's so many pockets of amazing work being done by so many different organisations. It would be a shame for us to duplicate the effort. Um, and actually, I think C-Connect can be that joining glue to bring because. I mean, you, you know, having 1,500 people do a 45-minute survey and come out with all of these um, ideas and suggestions. You know, th- I guess you got the the leverage of understanding the insight and the data of the people that you serve, um, and then it allows you to actually then bring together pockets of these organisations that are doing these things really well. And I think that's a perfect example of core voices and 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 and, and integrating those other. Established organizations that are doing such good work for the Sikh community to bring them together. It's really good. So, how can people support SikhNet? Uh, what are the different ways that we can actually help you um, and engage with SikhNet as well?
1: Yeah, I think I think there's. I mean, as much as I have wanted to have like a volunteer program, we don't currently have a volunteer program yet. That's one of the things that people ask. Uh, just because it 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 takes a certain kind of project that requires certain kind of skills in managing people. So we're hoping in the future to have something like that. So I think at this point, um, periodically, there's people that have certain skills in some areas, whether they're programmers or um, uh, something that aligns with something that we're already doing. Maybe they do video work or something that if you see something that SeekNet's doing that you have a skill on uh, that you think you are willing to take the time to, to uh, contribute. That would be awesome. And I, I feel like the the challenge we've had is that many people want to help in that way, but when it comes down to their everyday lives and their work and busyness, you know, they, you know, when it comes to that, most oftentimes they don't have the the commitment to be able to stick with it. And so most of our, the work that we do is from, uh, our, our staff that is paid for that, you know, we have a team um, of over eight people de- dealing with different things. So donations is probably the, the easiest and the, the biggest way that you can support SeekNet. Um, I think probably second thing is if you're a user of SeekNet and there's something that you're passionate about or you love, please share it because as much as people say SeekNet's been around for 24 years and for so long, so many people have never even heard of it. And even people that have heard of it, like they know about it, but they don't actually, you know, they don't know. We have this awesome Gurbani app that, you know, the, these audio stories and animations for kids. And they have no idea about some of these things that we're spending a lot of effort and are really valuable tools. So share it and uh, tell your friends. That can be probably the easiest thing that you can do.
0: Brilliant. Yeah, I think that there's, there needs to be more. And I think we're, we're getting there with, you know, um, social media, like Instagram and Facebook and stuff. People are, are really collaborating, I see, and sharing content across um, the various platforms to to raise awareness. So if, if somebody wanted to donate, how do they do that? Do they just go to seeknet.com?
1: Yeah, you can either just go to seeknet.com. There's a donate button at the top or just donate.seeknet.com is the direct URL. But yeah, on the SeekNet website, you can. There's just a link there, and you can uh, make a one-time donation. We also have a link to for India users. Um, you know, if they want to donate in rupees, uh, that you can do that as well. So that's, and if if you're a regular user, sign up as a recurring. That's how we you know keep our operation going from people who sign up as a monthly. Donor, so yeah, we'd love your support. If I, I would say, people, if you're if you're a user of SeekNet and you you appreciate the work that SeekNet does, um, please do chip in whatever amount, and uh, so that we can continue doing this work and expand uh, to do so many more things. So that's really, really the the I think funding is is probably the biggest limitation that we always have. Um, so. That will be a big support.
0: Because I think to actually run the website, the data, and everything else, it's a it's a lot of there's a lot of lot to maintain, um you know. And I think people probably don't, sometimes, won't realize what's involved in maintaining such a website with that mm. level of data, you know. Especially if you've got the Gurbani Media Center app and everything else, and Siki and all that stuff.
1: If you're not a, if you're not a technical background or even, even, even like when my mother made a, she had one of her albums and when I went in to record with it and I start I started to become aware of like all the levels of what was involved in just making a music album. Like, Oh my God, like I totally had no idea. And the same way with computer stuff, like I was just talking with, um, another, um, organization they're just coming out with this new kids uh Punjabi learning app and they've spent two years developing it um and I was like telling them you should tell the story about it because people don't really realize they're just going to think oh this is just another cheap app and they don't really realize this was like this took two years and how who knows how much money to to create this and people just don't understand what goes on to to create these things so it's, it's good for people to understand. I mean, I, um, and, and it gives a little more appreciation for the work and not
0: take it for granted. Yeah, definitely. I think sometimes we, we take things for face value, but we don't understand the level of time, money, commitment that's needed to just tweak something or create some content. Um, so that's maybe... maybe. Yeah, when, when,
1: when people would go, sometimes like when we're doing our fundraisers the year end, people would say, some people would be like, stop begging. And then we're like, what? <laughs> like, we're not begging. You know, we're we're giving people an opportunity to support. Uh, you know, amazing work that's helping so many people. So it's just some people have different mindsets. Some of that's like based. You know, many people in India who are not used to having organizations and nonprofits who are doing this work. It's for them. They're just like, do save up periodically, but to have like a sustained project like our Gurbani Media Center, we have. Two and a half full time, two and a half people that are working on this all the time. Like you know, one person is just working on digitizing Gurbani Kirtan, posting up, creating new playlists. One person is just a full time developer. That's yes. just for that one <laughs> service. But that one part, you know, over 40,000 people a day okay. are Thank listening you. to Kirtan, doing their knit listening to this podcast, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, many other inspiring things.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think, and and I think there's a bit of a mindset thing as well, where people in traditional methods think of what seva is. You know, it's not just going to the Godora or making a huge building, or you know, gold plating something. You know, there is other seva like supporting um, the awareness and having all of this, you know, available at our fingertips, effectively and making our lives convenient. But it all needs it all needs maintenance. So I, I do uh, hope our listeners do support you in um, any which way that they can, because it all counts. And um, it's actually helping reach, uh, helping Sikhi reach many, many corners of the world that would not otherwise be able to do that. So do do support SickNet. So um, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast episode, Grimastik Singh. And I think I would love to have you on this uh, again, because there's so many different things that we can talk about. Um, so I'm just grateful that you've carved some time out and you know, shared your views on, um, your journey in Sikhi, and hopefully, you know, a lot of people have resonated and, and find your experience you know, helps them in their journey as well to see that, you know, Gurbani and Sikhi is about accepting and being positive, And it's about reflection on our own thoughts and biases that we have and effectively moving with the times because, you know, times, pe- the world evolves and we don't want to be left behind. We want to go with the world and, and take Gurbani with us and share, you know, all these gems of what we've been blessed with that we've we've discovered and share it with others as well, with our good work and positivity. And um yeah, so on that note, you yeah, know, thank you very much, Grimrasak Singh, and I hope to speak to you very soon in the future. Thank you again.
1: Thank Aray-gi, you, Aptor Singh.
0: Thank you for listening to the Seek Coach podcast. If you found this episode valuable, do share with your friends and family and do give us feedback. You can email us at theseekcoachgmail.com at or find us on Facebook. Just search the Seek Coach podcast and follow us on Instagram at theseekcoach. Thank you for listening. Stay blessed.